Hello, I'm Eric Devin, and joining me, as always, are Nathan Zables and Adam White for the season's final Get French Football News preview show. Thank you for joining us as we look forward to the season's final match day with relegation still a tight affair. Do be sure to follow us on Twitter at GFFN and visit our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com for all the latest this summer. We'll have latest transfer dealings as well as coverage of the Under-20 World Cup in the senior size three matches next month. Before we get started, though, do want to give a tip of the cap to Monaco, whose 2-0 win over Saint-Étienne yesterday saw them officially seal the league on a title. But let's start, then, gents, with the national team. Uh, Didier Deschamps announced his selections, calling up 26 players for a pair of friendlies and a competitive match against Sweden uh, to take place over the next month or so. Most of the matches are in June. Uh, so I basically wanted to go through each of the positions with you. There's There's been quite a bit of contention about these call-ups. Some players brought back in, some players surprisingly called up again. Uh, let's start with, with you, Nathan. Uh, Steve Mandanda is injured, so obviously Deschamps is in need of some different options at keeper. Could he have done better here than the keepers he called up in terms of Alphonse Ariola and, and Benoit Castile? Yeah, I think he can, especially in the case of uh, Alphonse Ariola, I think, because he's not played for PSG for a while. He's clearly been the second goalkeeper for the majority of the second half of the season. So it's it's difficult to justify his position, even though he is young and they, they still probably expect him to be in and around the international team and really re- recover some of his form that he'd lost uh, this season. But I can agree with Costiel at least, but we'll, we'll keep focus on, on, uh, on Areola in the sense that Johan Cardinal is an interesting one to bring bring to the fore. I think he's had a really good season, although there's been little spurts of of craziness. But he does, I've said before, he does remind me a little bit, not necessarily as good, but um, on the same style frame as um, Bartes. He reminds reminds me a lot in stature, in in these occasionally erratic moments, but also his size and his ability to get to his shot-stopping ability. It's really reminiscent of the former French international. He's probably my front-runner of someone who I would have liked to see get a chance. Um, There's other ones, obviously, mentioned that Ruffier, I think, has sort of given up of really being a second goalkeeper or anything like that. I don't think he's interested in that, especially at his age. He knows he's probably not really going to be anything more than a third goalkeeper, although he deserves to be more than that, but he's not going to get past Laurie, so he's unsurprisingly sort of given way for that. But And you might have a case for Lafont. I think that um, he's with that under-20 squad, isn't he? So that is probably more at the forefront, keep him there and, and see how he does in that competition, get him some experience where he will be starting, might be better really at this point of his career, being so young. But yeah, there's I think there's more interesting choices you could have picked instead of someone like Ariola, who has really struggled in the second half of the season and probably deserves that sort of moment away more than sort of Cardinal probably deserves that moment in the spotlight for a change. Um, what are your what's your take on the goalkeeping situation? Is is Deschamps right to bring in an older player like Castile that probably doesn't really feature in the team's future, or was he, was he better off going with Cardinal or maybe someone else we even haven't mentioned? I I, th- I think it's it's perfectly acceptable to to pick to pick Costil. Um, I think I would have made the same decision in his in his stead. Um, I I I personally, it may be a little bit of a controversial opinion, but I don't necessarily buy into Cardinal 
um, having the best of seasons. I think he's been fine. I think he's he's had his moments, but he's he's made mistakes too. And I I don't know if he's a superior goalkeeper to Bermar Costa. So personally, I would have picked Costa over the two. The main issue I have is is uh, is Areola. I feel like when Kevin Trout's ahead of you in 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 the PSG team, you know you, you know you haven't had a great season. I I'm pretty vocal in terms of my my um, not dislike, but sort of unappreciation of, of Kevin Trapp. So uh, I think Areola it got to a certain point in the season where he really did make a few mistakes and he was responsible for a few goals and you know allowed Trapp back into the team and, and justifiably so and Trapp's been fine since then. Obviously, um, Areola's only ever on with the chance of, of making the French squad, but if Ruffier was was keen, I think that's an obvious choice of both of them, but Nathan's absolutely right. I think he if his first choice or nothing for him. I know that Mandanda's injured, but you would feel like if Mandanda was available, he would be above both of those players. So, and I agree 100% with Nathan on Lafont as well. I think he's got to go to the 20 World Cup. It's a great team. I think I genuinely have got a chance of winning that tournament. So, I think it's a fair enough decision for Costil. Areola, there isn't too much choice. I mean, maybe Cardinal deserves to be in above him as well. But um, I think for third choice goalkeeper, it's, it's pretty tight. But I'd, I'd go with Costil if I was the Schalke. I do think that it shouldn't. We shouldn't be remiss in mentioning that two of these matches are friendlies. That those are more likely a chance to see our reserve goalkeeper get a chance, whereas you might not see that uh, if there are only two matches. Uh, so turning on to defense, uh, Nathan, I guess my two questions immediately looking at this squad list would be Christoph Jale and Luca Dean. Um, so obviously Sebastian Korsch has been used to and reserves and, and the team a handful of occasions recently. Uh, there's also uh, Amami Torre uh, and another player who I know that we've given a decent amount of phrase to uh, this season is Kevin Malquit. Uh, he is was not fit on Wednesday, uh, but I guess two-part question for you. Is it right to continue to include Jale given he'll be given his age at the time of the next World Cup? And would Malquit have had a shot where he fit? Mm, good question. Um, for in the terms of uh, Jale, um, I agree with the statement you sort of made. I, th- I think he, with his age, heading towards the Euros and the World Cup, because you need to sort of have a, an eye on both of them, really, in a sense. And with the amount of great young players they've got at the moment, um, I probably would have left him out. Really, I don't think he's been that great this season. Anyway, he's been solid and he's been decent at times, but he's also had a couple of injuries. He's not been perfect at every moment either so I would have liked to see a younger person a younger player get the chance and that in the current pecking order is probably Corsier um, because he's he's still had a decent season for Lille but I don't think anyone can really cover themselves in glory in that club at the moment um, I still think he's probably he pro- should probably move on unless the project will, which we'll talk about later really moves on to help the, um, build around him a little bit more Um You've got a good point, and maybe Malqui maybe deserves a shot. I'm not so solid myself. I've probably been the one out of us three that's probably been the most critical of him. I'm not convinced of him from a defensive point of view. I think he's great going forward, um, but and at the moment for me, his positioning is sort of not the greatest. It's been remedied by his speed to get back, which is something that always worries me about fullbacks. It, it worried me about. Uh, Jibril uh, Sibdebe before he joined Monaco that he maybe relies on his pace too much and that's been on show in the higher quality games that we've seen this season in the Champions League and, and against the bigger teams. That's really come to the fore that he's he's been exposed in that situation and that's what I would worry that would happen to Malqui as well. Um, I think it's a little bit too early for Almami Torre as well. 
Um, he's been good, and I think I expect him with Monica probably selling Bay, him to be the starting right back next season. And I like him a lot, but I think it's probably too early for him to be to be called up, really. But I'd probably put Koshier in the squad, in all honesty. I think Malqui, if he carries on at this, if he has another excellent season at, at Saint-Etienne and probably, for me at least, improves his defensive abilities a little bit more, I think he has a shout. But right back is a real, still problemish area, especially from a defensive point of view for these two, but uh, for front, France, but uh, Koshi is my my pick, yeah. Alright. Adam, what are your, what are your t- thoughts on right back? My concern with Alami Torres, I should just preface this, is he's also eligible for Mali. Uh, and he's 20, and he's turned in, he's been, I think, never never lacking, maybe not as dynamic going forward, but he's never been lacking for Monaco this season. Are France taking a risk and not including him, given these matches aren't exactly high stakes? I, I can see your point, absolutely, um, in that, that he is obviously eligible for Mali too. I think there are a lot of, a lot of caveats to, 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 that, to that sentiment, though. First of all, if I was a, if I was a footballer, I, I would play, want to play for the country that I feel like I, I would represent, that, you know, I feel like I originate from, I feel like I have most affinity with. And... Um, I'm sure I'm not sure. I, I don't. I know very little about him, sort of personally. Obviously, I know him as a footballer, but I don't. I don't know how, he, how he's been interviewed or if he said anything in particular. But does he? Does he feel like he'd rather represent France or Mali? I, I, I don't know. So, from my point of view, I feel like you know that that's a decision he has to make overall. And you would hope, as a as a as a, as a France coach or a, you know remember the France setup, that he would choose he would choose France because he's a very promising player. But I agree with Nathan that. It's a little bit, a little bit too early for him. He has done very well for Monaco, and obviously Monaco are league and champions, and he's come in and done and, and done extremely well and look, look promising and look solid. But I think it's still a little bit early, given the quality that, that France have in in this position. I personally think Sebastian Courchard should be should be in the squad. I'm a big fan of his. He's, he's arguably Lille's, well, probably not even arguably, probably just is Lille's best player, despite being a right back. And I feel like he's done enough in in both this season, although he's performed his head off a little bit towards the end of the year. And he's made a few France squad recently as well to, to not just not to necessarily make the sort of reserve right back position on his, lo- his own, but to be to be in the squad um, and be given more of a chance because he's clearly a very talented player. He's clearly linked with lots of big clubs and clearly will have a, a very very career, good career if he keeps keeps his uh, keeps his form going. So I, I personally think he has to be the, the, the next choice at right back. In terms of in terms of Jalet, I think France really have to look. In fact, every international team, in my opinion, has to look towards the next World Cup and think about what their team is going to be going into that World Cup. I know that France have a tough group, and, but you still expect them to qualify either through the playoffs or either, you know, automatically. And they need to be playing for that World Cup. And is Jalé going to make it to that World Cup in a season's time? He's already 33. He'll be, obviously be 34 by then. You know, he's not far from 35. Is he, is he really a player that they're going to rely upon in, uh, in Russia in sort of 18 months' time or so, or, you know, sort of 14 months' time? So... I don't think he is, so I'm not sure that those sort of decisions in terms of those players that are really pushing pushing it in terms of age, uh, unless there's a real exception, should be making a squad. I think, especially the more the more um, the traditionally big sort of six or seven footballing nations should really be thinking in terms of not necessarily building a squad, but they should be thinking about what is our squad going to be because we should be challenging for that tournament. I think France are in that position, so I, I think Koshai Vigale, 100%, maybe a little bit early for Amamitore as 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 it stands. All right. But center backs, I would say they probably. I would say that they found probably got it right. Is there anyone else that you have in? We've got Baran and Zuma back in after some injuries. Do either of you have uh, any objections or comments on the center backs, Nathan? 
No, there's a couple of good players that you've listed on our, on our, kindly on our script, at least. Anyway, Laporte and Lucas Hernandez have had good seasons, but I I still fancy the the selection they've got. They've got a wealth of talent in this area. They've got loads in the under-20s as well. They, they're really blessed in this area. So I, I don't think you can get it really wrong in this position at the moment. Out of all of them in the in the uh, in the squad, I think you can get this one pretty right, regardless of how what sort of combination you go for, unless you miss out one or two of the really, really quality ones, in all honesty. Adam, some more sentiments or a little bit. I, I have one major um major gripe with this position and it's it, it's Loic Perran. I, I personally think Loic Perran is is one of the most talented, most um, sort of fearsome, if you like, very aggressive kind of player, very solid kind of player that one of the, one of the best centre back France have at their disposal. And I, I think it's incredible he's never actually been capped. He's made the squad a few times and been in and around the squad. But for me, if I'm looking at France centre backs, he'd be starting. I, I, I've there's a little caveat to this that I've never been a huge fan of Koscielny. Um I think he's still got mistaken him. I'm not sure he's as solid as perhaps a number of Arsenal fans might 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 think, but. For me, Varane and Loic Perrin are, are France's two best centre-backs, and I, I would start them every every time. So uh, They've got a lot of talent, as Nathan said. I mean, Laporte's a great player, still 22. I think he'll be a, one for the future as well, and I'd like to see him in the squad. But Perrin, for me, is, the, is a bigger mission. I can't, I don't, I can't, really honestly can't understand why he hasn't got more caps, or any caps, to be honest. So Perrin, for me, but apart from that, they've got so many good players, it's, it's hard to go wrong. Yeah, very quickly. I'd like to them eventually give, even if it's a customary thing to Perrin, one at least one cap. He's been terrific, and it's a real, real shame if he never gets anything. In all honesty, because if good grief, if he was English, I would have adored him. But um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it'd be a shame if he never gets anything. I think he deserves that kind of reward at some point. Yeah, at, at present, injury might be a mitigating factor. He uh, his season is over. He didn't play on Wednesday either, but. <laughs> I, I tend to have to. That's you know, not a bad shout. His range of passing and his assuredness in the tackle. Um, he's probably not as flashy and as much of an aerial presence as Koscielny, but he's certainly less mistake prone. Uh, so central midfield, though, I think this is this is maybe where we've got the biggest bone of contention. Uh, and for those of you who are of an English persuasion, may be certainly assured of why, and that is the continued inclusion of Sissoko. No team will back Yoko. Um, the question here, I guess, then, I'll start with you, Nathan. No Bakayoko, is this a product of poor form recently? He's not been great. Or his poor performance the last time he, he played for the Blue? Possibly a mixture of both. He's not been quite as good. But we also have to remember that this is Bakayoko's first real full season, really, at any club, at any level, well, at any professional level, at least. So we have to take that with... A bit of a caveat that he's he's sort of maybe run out of steam from the looks of things, and I, I actually think it's it's controversial to say because I think he should be in the squad in terms of quality, despite his his poor form and and the fact that he wasn't great last time out. Um, I think that it's probably good enough to give him a rest at this point and allow him to recover because he looks knackered. Um, he didn't play in that in that game on Wednesday. Um, which isn't entirely surprising. They didn't really need him in the, in the end either. But he, to me, he just looks really fatigued and that a long, heavy season that, remember, started very early in the... Well, not very early, but early enough in the Champions League, qualifying for that, being in so many cups, being a, being a relatively prominent position uh, player at least, because 
Moutinho's played more regularly recently, but he's also played instead of Fabinho rather than Bakayoko. So I keep that in mind. I can see that's probably why he's been admitted in all honesty rather than his form, although he's, he has dropped a little bit. But he'll be back. There's no doubt about that. All right. Adam, your thoughts on, on midfield, the bizarre, if I may say so, inclusion of Musa Sissoko? You're right. I think it is bizarre. I, I, I don't understand in the slightest. I, okay, I... I I don't understand in terms of his quality his qualities or his performances this season. I think he's there because he's the Deschamps favourite, and I think this France squad is built around Deschamps Deschamps favourites, and, and he's definitely one. And if there's any excuse for Deschamps to include Soko in the squad, he will. And I, I seem to think he's he's found one here. Perhaps Bakayoko is telling off in form a little bit. You know, Lassana Diara is a big part of the squad. Last this time last year, obviously, is completely out of the picture now. So there's a little bit of a space. Um, in in that midfield, and obviously I'd still have Bakayoko in there ahead of ahead of Sissoko. It's a slightly larger squad as well, twenty six men rather than you know the twenty three players. Perhaps is you know is a bit more standard, especially for tournaments, obviously. So I think there's a little bit of a gap. I, I, if he goes ahead and starts him, I, I I honestly don't know where the the thought process behind that. Um, I, I just a little bit of a, a little bit of a pointless this issue. One of the guys at the lead dynamics, Will Gain, who was on the pod. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago on the on the league special he's a big palace fan and he's been saying that Johan Kabay has been ex- especially ex- exceptional for for palace in his last sort of three or four months so uh, maybe if he moves back to france this summer there may be even a place for him in over the next sort of six to eight months in the team so you've got to you've got to make the france even with condolby and schneidlin there are players there that that you know there's a lot of quality and a lot of competition and i <laughs> i agree with nathan i i Sissoko is a big surprise to me but there's a lot of competition and, and i think Deshaun perhaps picks the best squad based on like the way it works socially, perhaps um, rather than the best twenty-three players. So I think that's why he's in there. Can I can I just say as well on the Sissoko point? I think it's a joke that he's in the in the squad. In all honesty, I think he's a an atrocity. I know that might be putting it a little bit harshly, but he's 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 been abysmal this season. Anytime he's played on the field, and he's barely played anyway. Um, there was jokes on Twitter that the first part of the Tottenham Stadium they they started tearing down was yeah, the bit where you tend to see Mr. Sissoko, which is in the opponent's half, not really doing anything in the kind of midfieldy area. Um, <laughs> he's been atrocious. I mean, what a slap in the face to players like Bakioko, who does sort of deserve a, a rest, and and someone like Sanson, who's been an excellent season, maybe he deserves a call up. There's another. There's loads of interesting young French players that maybe deserve that step up. I, I think it's an, it's it's Shocking. It's an appalling piece of management. And uh, the further away Sissoko goes from the squad, soon enough, the better, really, because he's he's a he's a black mark, really, on Didier Deschamps finally sort of, sort of picking the players we, that deserve to be in this team. And he absolutely deserves to be absolutely nowhere near this club. Yeah, I think the other question, too, is that the, the question is, Bakayoko is not cap-tied yet. Uh, the match he played for France was a friendly. He's still eligible for the Ivory Coast uh, through that. So Deschamps could be playing with fire here in terms of not selecting back Yoko. If it is fatigue, fine. But these matches aren't for another couple of weeks. We've still got another round of league fixtures. If Bakayoko does play at the weekend, the Coupe de France, it's not as if he's convening the squad tomorrow. It's it's a really bizarre step for me. And I, I do I do appreciate the, the mention of Sanson. I, again, with, with it being a larger squad, I think that He's another player who could be worth a look in, uh, perhaps getting a half on one of the friendlies just to see what see what he's all about. I think his assist numbers for for Marseille and Montpellier this season speak for themselves. Uh, again, he's another player who's tailed off a little bit, but 
Uh, he's had to deal with some pretty catastrophic injuries in his career, and that could be a mitigating circumstance as well. But speaking of squad harmony, um, <laughs> let's turn our attention now finally to include this section on the attack. Uh, Karim Benzema once again excluded, um, and Didier Deschamps in a press conference was quick to call the Real Madrid forward, quote-unquote, pathetic, uh, after it, it emerged that uh, there was a meme of uh, Deschamps um, being eluded by Benzema in a little Photoshop mix-up. Uh, Adam, your thoughts on on the Benzema situation and uh, the rest of the attack, anybody that doesn't deserve it or or do you feel is missing? Um, first, I think, yeah, on the Benzema situation, I think it's it's just, it's gone, you know, it's jumped the shark a little bit, hasn't it, now in terms of whether Benzema is ever going to have a chance uh, with France under the Champ. They, they, the, the falling out is to sort of reach sort of, you know, peak levels and, I think it's all a little, pathetic is, is kind of the right word. Um, I, I'm i a little bit disappointed that it's sort of descended into this sort of, sort of, you know, not name coming, but like it's a bit, it's a little bit silly, isn't it? So um, I think Benzema's involvement in France is, is num days numbered um, with Deschamps in charge. I don't think he's ever going to get back in. Um, and it's all a bit silly, but in terms of the strikers, I'd like to see Kevin Gamero. I think he perhaps has a chance. I like the Lacazette's back in the squad again. I think Lacazette's a player that's massively been overlooked by France, and particularly Deschamps. And I, uh, especially if he moves on this summer, we could see him playing Champions League for one of the biggest clubs in Europe. And um, I think he's an extremely talented player and really reaching his prime almost. So I, I, I think he could be that that central striker that they build their, their team around. Um, with Giroud, you know, not necessarily being consistent. I know that Mbappe has to, for me, has to play up front. So if he wants to play four four two, perhaps they could play together. That'd be a very exciting exciting setup and I think that suits Mbappe as well. I think he, he one of the reasons he thrives so much this season is that he's played with Falcao, with Germain. You know, he's got a foil, he's got someone to play off, he's got someone to run beyond. So I think that suits him. But I, I always see these lineups on, on Twitter and perhaps um, uh, a few other examples uh, on websites where you pick, the people pick a sort of a, a first race France team and Mbappe's always moved out wide to accommodate someone. I think Mbappe is a striker. He, he, looks like, he looks like the old style, the old Ronaldo. And he has to play up front for me. So I would hate to see them start the, the, the first game of these three with, you know, Giroud and then Mbappe on the wing. I think that's really crucial from my point of view to play Mbappe up front as a striker, even if it's on his own, he has to play there. Like Lacazette, as I said, um, I think, you know, there are a lot of players that kind of dropped out. Fakir, Coman, Gignac, Martial, Ben Arthur, all have dropped in form this season. So I can understand their, their exclusion. But Gamera is the only one that's a little bit frustrating. But given the wealth of talent in that position, it's not... It's not too upsetting. All right. Uh, Nathan, your, your take on Francis' attack. Uh, one player I think yeah. this a little bit homeless in here, but I think Matthew Valbuena deserves uh, at least a spot in these friendlies, given how given not only his versatility, but how he's willing to come off the bench and affect change. I, I don't think that France have a player that fits that description and can contribute goals and assists like Valbuena's done this season. Is that homerism on my part, or...? You want to put me back on my heels there? A little. Um, I think if we're arguing that other players in this squad that have been okay, that are maybe a little bit old, don't deserve to be in this squad, he's probably just fitting in that category, despite I think he's had a really good season. And, and you make a good point that he could make an effective change off the bench. But it's. Uh, I also think that if you bring him back in, it brings back the Benzema question, which I think France play better without him anyway. Um, and 
does Valbuena really add much that you can't think of or all these other young attacking players bring? I'm not so certain other than experience, in all honesty. Um, and that's maybe being a little bit harsh, but they are really, really stacked in this area. Um, I think looking at it, I think most of them deserve to be in there. The only one I would possibly question, and it's great to see like a Zet back, although would I have dropped Gamera? I'm not so certain. I, I want to make a slight case that Paez may be a little bit lucky. Um, he's not had the greatest season, in, well, half a season in Marseille. He's not put up great numbers. He's had, he's not been as evolved as I thought he would be. I think Tovan's quite clearly overshadowed him and probably deserves to be in the squad over him, even though they're both in there. Um, so maybe he's maybe looking over his shoulder a bit because a lot of the players in those positions have to remember it doesn't really matter what you've done before. There's so many quality players in those areas that aren't, on form at the moment, or there's a couple that are on form in the moment that you could quite easily chop and change this and not really diminish the quality of the the attacking threat they possess. So maybe Pae is a little bit lucky, in all honesty. And, and if you're making the case that maybe Valbuena maybe could have slotted in there, there's a there's a couple more as well. On when you look through the sheer enormity of players in these kind of positions they've got, but. Yeah, I think he's a little bit lucky, but Valbuena, I think, you, yeah, he's maybe a little bit too old. It's came, maybe come on two years too late. Now, that What you're saying there with Pai is sort of where where this dovetails in for me. I, I think that, obviously, Pai, again, it's, I think it's a matter of Deschamps picking favorites. Pai had a couple great matches in the group stage in the year 2016, and the same team in the tournament. And after being himself in the wilderness for quite a long time, I think that put him back in decent graces, and it's it's hard to turn that around. So I, I think a frustrating situation there. But again, as you rightly say, you know, Pai again maybe deserves his place in the spot. I I don't think though that he deserves to start. I'd rather have Tom Lamar there. Um, and just to wrap this up, Adam, what what are you, what's your take on that? I I would like to see. I, I can definitely see the point of view. I, I would personally like to see France sort of emulate Monaco a little bit. I think there's a lot of French players in that Monaco side, and uh, we've seen a lot of international sides in over the course of footballing history, over the past century even, you know, really sort of centre a team on a, a very a, sort of a high-performing club side with lots of lots of individual players. I mean, England semi tried it with Spurs last summer, and it didn't really necessarily work out. But uh, the Germany team of the 50s, the Kaiserslautern team, there are five or six players from, from that side. And it's, 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 it's quite a common thing. So I would personally like to see France, you know, make use of the fantastic Monaco sort of development this season, go 4-4-2 and get Lamar on the left, play Mbappe up front, um, you know, play both fullbacks in the team um, and, and, and really sort of build the team around those sort of players. Because I think that might suit... Uh, a number of other of their players as well. I think Kante works brilliant in a 4-4-2. Pogba would, would sit alongside him quite nicely as well. You know, Griezmann would suit a 4-4-2 alongside Mbappe. I think it's the perfect formation and they've got like the group in there. So I think using that, that successful Monaco would be a really good idea. And I I don't know that it'll happen because I think the, obviously Deschamps got his own ideas and, you know, he's got a, it has kind of morphed into 4-4-2 as you and, and Griezmann last summer. So there is that opportunity there, but... I'd build it around the Monaco team and, you know, I'd definitely have him starting. I think he's been fantastic this season. And when you look at Matuidi, how poorly he's been playing this season, I think Rabiot's overrated. I've mentioned before on the pod, I don't know that he necessarily deserves a place in the squad. You've even got Talisa and Bakayoko, who that, that might suit as well in that central position. So 
yeah, I, I definitely took Tomonomai has to start for me. I think he's one of France's most talented players and they really should build the team around, around Monaco's success. That's certainly a very compelling case and something to consider. But that's enough after 20 odd minutes of the national team. I, I think this is more, more, I mean, it would be a huge surprise if France don't qualify for the World Cup, uh, given the results they've had to this point in time. Win over Sweden and they're virtually there. Uh, but I wanted to turn our attention briefly before we dive into the weekend uh, to a player, a former national team player, and that's Maxime Gonalon. He hasn't been called up in quite a while. Obviously, there's been, as we just mentioned, a huge amount of talent in central midfield, and him being perhaps a little bit more prosaic makes him not the most likely pick for the team, and I don't think he'll likely get a France cap again. But there's been quite the brouhaha recently in Leon over his over his situation. He only has one year left on his contract, and I think it's fair to say he's been a good servant, but his performances have been poor recently. Um, there's also the argument that Luca Toussart coming through the season gives Leon a ready-made replacement and a player who's also a little bit more dynamic than, than the captain. But uh, the recent incidents center around a war of words he's had with Leon President Jean-Michel Olas, basically. Gonalon has accused the club and Olas by proxy of not being ambitious enough. Olas fires back saying, look at where we are in the UEFA coefficient, only PSG are ahead of us in France. We've got the Chinese investment we brought into Pi. Uh, Olas has been somewhat parsimonious over his time in charge of Leon, but it does appear that the club may be starting to turn a page in terms of caliber of player that they're bringing in, even if they do let uh, Toliso and Lacazette go as most think that they will this summer. So what I wanted to ask you both, is Gonalon right in saying that Leon aren't an ambitious club, given what's in place at Monaco, what's in place at PSG, and even what's in place at Nice, and as well as what's potentially coming uh, from the likes of Marseille and Leo? Uh, Nathan, I'll start with you. Mm, it's, it's an interesting question, and it's an interesting topic for them kind of both to bicker through because you can kind of see where Gonalon is coming from in a in in a general sense of all the most of the other teams you've mentioned, Paris Saint Germain, Monaco, I'd say Marseille as well, possibly Lille, although we're not hundred percent certain of necessarily what they'll do, although they've mentioned tidbits of it, but we'll wait and see what the the summer brings really more than anything. But they all have clear distinct plans of how they want to move forward. Leon, at this moment in time, especially because it looks, like you mentioned, it looks like Lacazette's going, it looks like Toliso's going, because they're selling those big-name players, what's the plan forward from that is maybe what Gonalon is questioning. Why are they selling the big players? Okay, Lacazette, we've expected this to happen, and, and really, this is his time to leave. Toliso... I think you could probably keep on hold of him. If you could keep hold of Lacazette, you can keep hold of him for another year. Um, that's probably where he's starting to to argue where's the ambition at. They bring through excellent young players. That's that's no doubt. Toussaint's been excellent this season as well. Um, is another one that's sort of brought through in uh, Diakabe as well. Um, but yeah, I can see the point he's going for. The Depay transfer was maybe a statement of saying we can purchase players still. And I still think that was a decent deal for them to get. But this summer is going to be really important for them, making sure that Lacazette's replaced properly, whether that's with someone they already have or, or supplementing that 
the the space he'll leave with another young player to fill in the gap behind the players that should move forward. But Tolisso is a much more difficult player to replace, in my opinion. Um, they don't have a ready-made replacement for him. His quality is going to be so difficult to replace immediately that they need to do something about that. And that's not addressing the fact that they've got a leaky defence as well, that they maybe need extra cover elsewhere. That's probably where he's getting at to the root of this issue at the moment. I've got I've gone along arguing against it that, yeah, when you look at the other teams, Marseille's maybe a little bit more like PSG's old style. Uh, Lille's is probably more reminiscent of uh, Monaco's. Nice is a, a little bit more uncertain because it, there's a lot of rumours that players aren't staying, players are staying, managers even leaving. So theirs is a little bit more up in the air at the moment. But yeah, I think the, the gripe for Gonalon is they don't have a clear plan. Are they not ambitious? I'm not so sure that rings true, but it's it's a, it's almost a statement from him to try and say, well, well let's see what... I want to know what direction we're going in. But... Again, that we we discussed this on Twitter the other day, Eric. That does he stay? I think if you get a good offer for Gonalon, you could sell him quite easily this summer, um, because he's not quite at the level he was. But you're also at the same time not earning as much as you might have done eighteen months, two years ago, which you would have got a lot, lot more, and maybe rebuilt better around him if you if you. Although you obviously can't see into the future, and you couldn't see Tuzart coming, but. If only hindsight was was available, it would have been excellent. But yeah, I think that's where the root of the problem lies, and that, that's the root of the problem where Leon need to solve this summer is is not just having actions, but it's having a direct, obvious plan to move forward. Adam, again, I, I think Nathan has a good overview of things there. I, I don't disagree with what he's been saying, and there, there is two sides to this point. But the fact of the matter is, this is a team that. Won seven titles regularly in the knockout rounds of the Champions League. Is this a reaction to a new financial reality in world football? Or, again, is Gonalon right? I don't think he is right. I, th- I think it's a, it's a really odd thing to do from Gonalon's point of view because I think he's, it's almost like he's a little bit jealous of, of the success of teams like Nice and, and, and Monaco and, you know, uh, perhaps, you know, the situation that Lille developing as well. I, I'm very surprised by by this because especially as he's had such a poor season, it's not like he's been carrying the team, and you know he's, he's not like he can say, "I'm here, guys. I'm I'm giving 100. percent I've been brilliant this season. You know, we've only finished fourth. You know, what's the deal? I I, I don't know if he's really got the the sort of you know footballing capital to make this kind of statement. It's a very odd one. I, I think Leon are an ambitious club. I think Orlas is what is so ambitious. He's one of the most ambitious presidents in in European football. He clearly has his eyes on. You know the very top level is you know as their budget will allow, uh, and and obviously there's there's you know the budget is a big thing. And, you know there are clubs who have come far outspend on, but signing a Depay this this winter and the players to bring through and you know the money they're going to get from Lacazette and, and Tolisso, you know they they have means and they have resources and they're definitely an upward looking club. You know I I think it's a little bit surprising. So I I agree with Nathan. Perhaps Gonalon you know is on his way out with Tusar, you know a ready made replacement, but. It's a very odd, odd statement, and and I, I think it's a little bit, a little bit childish of of Gone Online, to be honest. I think Leon are a big club, and you know, one that one that can definitely compete on a European level, and they're so many, so competitive in that that sort of second, sort of secondish level of, of of European clubs that you know they've they've been in the Champions League group stages this season. They're very unlucky not to get through. They came very close against two very good sides. 
Um, and you know they've they spent it under pie, and they've they've got the options to buy you know bring in players of of a, of a high quality this summer. So I'm not sure that he has much of a basis or or a leg to stand on. And if uh, if if he's still there, you know you're right, he's a, he's a definite servant for the club. But if he's still there at the start of next season, you know I, I think he's got he's got something to prove. All right, turning now to another team who definitely is ambitious, and that's we both mentioned there. Uh, that's Lille, who came out recently with this. A new defined campaign that is under the Gerard Lopez ownership group and uh, the reign of Luis Campos's sporting director, and that's hashtag Lusk Unlimited. Uh, what their new project is is a is a project blatantly focusing on young players, the Monaco style, players ages eighteen to twenty-three. So the question that I want to ask both of you, gents, is this is already happening in France to some degree. That is buying younger players and selling them on. Nice and Leon have done this to some extent. We've got Nice with Cyprian, Remy Walter, Arnold Lusamba. Uh, Leon have done the same thing as well with the likes of Emmanuel Lamana, Maxwell Corne, Jean-Philippe Mateta. I know he's you know, still a little bit raw, but he's someone who's very highly thought of. Olivier Cayman was a player they brought from Newcastle at a young age. So the question then is, is there room for another team taking this approach so blatantly in France? And if so, is the amount of t young talent that France is currently producing something that you see continuing? Nathan, let's start with you. I think there's always a room for a club to do this. I, I think the, why people are copying this, not just because obviously it's been successful with Monaco, is the fact that it works because it's, in a sense at least, low risk in theory, if you if you get, I mean, there's obviously a massive risk if you get too many young players. You can sort of nosedive a little bit if they aren't performing at the level you need to be. But at the opposite end of the scale, if you get two or three, well, even sometimes one, turn out to be a really good player, it completely bankrolls your team for the next season. You can then try it again, and then if you get another two or three players that end up being good enough, then you're building a squad, and that's kind of how this. Approach seems to work, but the success of it. Sorry, yes, I'm saying that. But the success of it, much like in um, another example of a team that I, I remember doing this a lot, was is uh, like Severe and, and Udinese in Italy. Is you need a very very good scouting team to get the right players in with the right attitude that can really push a team forward like it has with Monaco. That's the difference between some clubs and other clubs, and it depends on the means as well, because obviously the more talented players that you're trying to bring in will cost more and, and require more money for scouting. So it depends on how that's focused in Lille, but they have great connections with with Belgium. Um, that'll be a great place for them to go to, not just in France, obviously. It's still relatively close. Um, they're not far off the northern border. Um so that's a pos that's a positive for them that they've they've obviously got um, Erst End um, as part of their sort of circle of, of clubs. They've been successful in the past in doing it. So Hazard, they've had uh, Payet through the door and, and sold on for good sums of money. Um, Divock Origi is probably a more recent example as well. They've had experience of doing that, so they've they've got up at least a partial bit of that network already set up. It's continuing that and, and improving it and making sure you can do it. But I think personally that this style of of doing of of growing a football club is so blatantly obviously copied by others because it works without too much of a financial risk, but a great financial reward if it does work. The only worry, like I say, is if it if it tanks. But 
the, the the good thing of that sort of club is they've got so much money and so much resources backing them, hopefully at least from Jara Lopez, or at least it seems that it's unlikely that it's going to absolutely collapse in upon itself at least. So, yeah, I, I think there's definitely a chance for it. And, and in terms of France con continuously turning out this talent, well, they're doing it at the moment, and that's because of some great coaching and some great systems like this. Uh, I think you possibly might hit a lull at some point of maybe a year or two where you don't get as many great players, but that's systematic of every country, really. So as long as there's good coaching, there'll be good players. And as long as there's a good scouting network, they'll find them. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great approach to take. And I think more clubs, if not every club, I know it might sound a little bit crazy, but more, more clubs should take this kind of approach, especially to grow a football club. Yeah, I think we should remember, too, that it's not as if Monaco have had a home run type of player they've signed. I mean, Elder Acosta, even Cavallero, Adam Ostriore looks to be a busted flush at this point, Quarantin Jean, Paul Nardi. I mean, there's a long list of players that haven't exactly panned out for Monaco. So you're you're probably looking at playing the odds. Adam, your thoughts on this before we turn to the week, the weekend's matches? Yeah, I'm, it's definitely very comprehensive. I was following this on Twitter yesterday, and if you, if you, got, if you follow Lille on, on Twitter, that... Their uh, timeline was completely dominated for, for quite a long time of uh, Mark Inger and, and Campos, you know, talking about this. Well, the main issue I have with it is that it's a little bit, it's a little bit too sort of, not formulaic, but a little bit too, they, they treat it as very straightforward. Like they, they sort of talked about having sort of, you know, calling, you know, this Lost Gun Limited hashtag or the, the tag that they have seemed to have for the new project is a little bit, a little bit sort of, I don't want to say plastic. That's a bit harsh, but Jeez. it's a little bit much. Yeah, it's a little yeah. And and the fact that they're just sort of calling the two groups the Bielsa like senior group pro, like pro one and then like the youth group pro two. It's just like I think the thing with football is that it's kind of this is kind of asking for trouble. Like, I really want this to go well. I think it's a really interesting idea. There's some really good ideas involved, but they they're sort of. Every every situation with every player they bring in and every every sort of situation that arises needs to be taken on its own merits. It needs to be treated in an individual set of circumstances. And it seems like they just want us to have a production line of players. It's like we're going to bring in our players, we're going to sell them on, and it's going to make us, you know, you know, you going to bring us more funds, and it's going to it's going to work, which is you're fine to be confident, but it doesn't pan out like that. It, it needs to be far more. They need to be far more sort of humble about it and a little bit more considered than like. And perhaps a little bit more sort of well, this is our plan. We're going to see how it goes, and we've got we've got some ideas. But you know, this may evolve. It, it seems a little bit sort of that they've really planned this out, and it's it, this is what's going to happen in this order. And I think that's a dangerous thing to do because it could so easily go wrong. And it's a little bit asking for trouble because if it doesn't go as they planned, you know, they're open to criticism, and and you know, it sort of all starts to fall apart a little bit. So I think it's a great idea, but they need to sort of dial it down a little bit perhaps in, in certain areas but it's exciting and I really look forward to seeing how they plan to be after next season and you know it's worked for other clubs and, and who says it can't work, work for Lille perhaps, but they just need to be a little bit more considered in the way they go about, they go about things perhaps for me Alright so turning our attention now to the matches of the weekend uh, Adam has Adam is making a late run for the title Arsenal style oh. if the top four is, is a trophy right uh, he's now two points back of me. I have 79. He's got 77. Nathan's on 63. Two matches to look at this weekend, so ample opportunity to catch that. Uh, we've got Nasi Saint-Étienne. Adam, let's start with you. Saint-Étienne have been strongly linked with Antoine Camboire uh, as a replacement for Christophe Galtier. He is a manager who's got a good reputation for managing young talent. But does that mean that Saint-Étienne are looking up at 
blowing up what had been a somewhat veteran-laden squad in recent years. Uh, injuries have been a serious content- concern this season, but for me, this team still should be on the fringes of Europe um, next season, even with potential improvements at Lille and Marseille. What do you? What's what's your take on Saint Etienne's potential evolution? Yeah, I I think all those points you raise are, are interesting things that they'll have to consider going forward. Kambara has clearly been you know earmarked because of his you know you know his good reputation bringing through young players, which I think as Saint mentioned fairly recently that they're the only club in the top sort of six or seven in France that you know are completely French owned and they're lacking resources, they're lacking in funds, and they're lacking in investment to really push on like the way you know Nice have and. Marseille have and Lille will do as well. So that they, they're sort of looking towards youth and Kambari fits that that bill. We saw this on, on the pod last week a little bit about, I think I said I didn't want them to go for like the sort of standard French manager. And I know that Kambari doesn't necessarily fall into that category, but he's not too far off. I, I, there are a lot more exciting names names mentioned. I really feel like he's done a great job with Gangon this season and he's you know, not necessarily deserved to be sacked when he's a PSG manager. He did all right with with Lons in a difficult situation too, but I, I, I don't know that he's the revolutionary change and the, the, the real sort of exciting appointment that Sonetti and I, in my opinion, really need. Um, they've sort of talked about a lot of other managers and there's a lot of names in the frame. I know that there's been a lot of rumours about Claude, Claude Puel being being asked if he was you know keen on the job this week and then him turning it down. That would have been a really interesting one given how well he did with Nice last season. Even Thierry Henry was mentioned this week, which was very, very interesting. I don't know if that would be a good idea, but it, it's certainly an exciting appointment. I really think Ceci need to shake things up and I don't know if Kambari is necessarily the man to do that. But yes, he has you know a great record with, with youth, but I think they really need a, a massive overhaul. I'm not sure he's the man to provide that going, going ahead. So in terms of evolution, well, they disband the squad. I think you're right that they, based on their, you know, their squad, they should be top six, top seven. Um, obviously, Leo are going to be added to the top six, seven mix next season too, as we've mentioned. So it's going to be very competitive at the top end of the league. And but you look at players like like Amuma, like Berich, who's you know a good finisher. Peran, obviously, you mentioned Rufia, who is being linked strongly with Nice this week. You know, uh, if he stays, that you know, they've got a very good squad. And without injuries and without the Europa League, you know, you'd expect them to finish top top six next season, really. So. Um, whether it's a good idea to, you know, really break up that team is, is is open to debate. But as we said, this model is kind of developing in France, and there's the opportunity for for teams like Saint-Étienne, who have a decent amount of resources. When you look at the top 20 clubs in France, to you know, bringing young players, they've got great support. You know, they, they've got the opportunity to develop them under Kambari if he's if he's appointed and he's a, he's a, you know the right man to sort of do that. And so there is opportunity for them to sort of mirror that Monaco, almost Lille sort of situation we've been discussing and develop those young players. So I think that's what they kind of, ha- they, I think they feel they have to go for that. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if some of those older players left, like Lemoine left this summer. I doubt Veratu or Saive's loan to be renewed. Um, perhaps even players like Teofo Katerin and, and Shaken Beng haven't really, you know, especially Shaken Beng hasn't really settled. He's been injured and Teofo Katerin's been a little bit lumbering in recent weeks. So I'm not sure if those all players will be there next season, so perhaps perhaps you're right, and it may may work out for them. But I think there's a there's a little bit of they they need to shake things up, and I'm not 100% convinced that that Kambari is the man to do it. But if they go for this youth route, absolutely, you know, he's he fits that bill. But it's a, it's a little bit of a risk if if you ask me. All right, Nathan. Speaking about their opponents, and I, I think that Nancy do have a good a good chance to take three points here. Whether that's enough. I, I think remains to be seen, but I think that they certainly, with Saint Etienne's lengthy injury list, they do have a good chance. But 
I wanted to ask you uh, to highlight a piece you wrote for the site recently about a youngster, Faitun Moasa. Uh, yet again, he was used in a different position against Dijon last week, playing as a number 10 in a 4-2-3-1. Uh, unfortunately, not to any success for Nasi. But talk to me about this, this about this young player. And along with that, is he a lock to stay in Liga if Nancy go down or is a move abroad more likely? What are some clubs that should be interested in him? Yeah, just before, I've just noticed on Twitter, uh, Ren have confirmed that Benoit Costil won't be signing um, a new contract with them, which is expected anyway, but they've put a nice little um, farewell piece to him. So he's leaving in the summer. But I think Bordeaux are interested, it seems. That probably will be the, the likely move. But yeah, um we both wrote a piece on Mawasa recently, but he's a he's an interesting one, isn't he? I, I think watching him play um, this season, and and, and I, I did some extra research on him before writing the piece. Um, he's super raw to me. Um, I think that his success that he had with France in the under seventeens early on, and then in the uh, in the European Championships they won last year. Um, he seemed good in those at left back, but I'm not so certain that's his position at Nancy. And he's been, as you mentioned, sort of thrown around here, there and everywhere. He's played left back, uh, left wing back, left midfield, left attacking midfielder or winger, um, attacking midfield in the central position as a centre midfielder at one point. Um, it seems like he's not really nailed down a place and that's because he's maybe, in my opinion, at least at the moment, a little bit more of an athlete than a footballer in a sense. Uh, and that's maybe been a bit, derogatory in a way but his first touches may be a little bit lacking but he has great speed he, he has great athleticism he is quite good in the final third I think at crossing the ball and and his little through passes are really nice as well and, and he's willing to get in the in the opponent's box and I really like that about him but he's maybe a little bit one-dimensional in his dribbling ability maybe tries to knock it past players and use his pace more often than not and against better teams, that's seen him sort of nullify a little bit too easily for my liking in attacking areas. But at the same time, we're also talking about someone who's probably played left back more often than not during his. Would record. Nathan, are you there? Can you hear me at all? Yes, that's oh, that. There we go. I, I don't know what happened. Um, but yeah, if they stay up, I'd like him to stay because he, he definitely needs some polishing yet before any kind of bigger move. If, if they do go down... Uh, there could be a number of teams that will be sniffing around him. I think with his athletic abilities, teams like Bordeaux, maybe a Lille in that sort of project, he he's, he kind of fits that mould a little bit. Um, but it, personally, I think maybe a, a step in between that maybe, um, maybe a Gangomp, maybe Saint-Etienne, I know they're a little bit higher up, but that kind of club is probably the next step for him. So he can he might not play all the time at any of those clubs. But he might that might be the right step for him to finally sort of find his niche and his mould. I think he's probably best as a winger if he improves his dribbling. I think his crossing ability and, and the like is is his best part of his game. I think sometimes his his passing overall can be a bit lost in central areas unless he's going to play as a number 10. And I don't think he's quite good enough to play there. Um, but I like him. And uh, he does need some moulding, though. That's for certain. 
um, and he needs a little bit of a sharpening and he needs a good teacher to sort of guide him in the right direction. Um, so I could see I could see Marcelo Bielsa. I think he could possibly still be a left back if if he improves his defensive work. He does get back nicely and he he does have a way of using his physicality quite nicely, even though he's quite short. Um, but he's maybe a little bit rash. Yeah, I think there's a future probably on the on that left hand side still rather than in central areas. But I I think he could, with the right management, turn into a very tidy player. What would be your score prediction for this? I'm going to go one nil Nancy. Okay, Adam. Oh, it's um, it's a very very close game. I I, I agree with you. I think Nancy have a good shot. So two one Nancy. I'll go with a one-all draw. Our other match involving a relegation threatened team, I wanted to speak uh, about Toulouse hosting Dijon. Nathan, Dijon have played fairly positive football this season, and I wanted to ask you, are they part of a general change to a more attacking style in Liga? A lot's been made of Monaco this season, obviously, how many goals they've scored, but besides maybe Angers and Nancy, most teams have a fairly positive style this this season. Uh, even a team like Nantes, who are so negative under Michel de Zakarian, look really reinvigorated and bright um, under Sergio Conceição. Is this something we can look forward to continuing, or is this just sort of a flash in the pan due to the way a few teams like, let's say, Monaco and Leon really play with a, a, a sort of an open throttle attacking intent? Hopefully. Um, looking at the teams that you've just mentioned for well, most of the teams that are attacking, I mean, not have had a great resurgence this season, and that is because of attacking football. If the, I don't think they would be anywhere near where they are if they they didn't change their ways. They're still on a minus eleven goal difference somehow, but that's probably from the shortcomings of the start of the season rather than the attacking intent they've had in the second half of the season. But I think it's really worked for a lot of teams. It got Lorient back out of trouble, winning games by scoring more goals. It's kept Dijon looking like they're at least favourites at the moment within the position they're in and the team they face at, at the weekend to to stay up as well. So, yeah, it's it's a positive trend. I, I've really liked watching Dijon at times this season. I think they've been, out of the three at least, that came up, I think they've been the most positive throughout the season. I think Mets have finally sort of clambered onto it in the second half of the season. Had a brief start where they were really relied on it, but... Uh, a couple of pummelings sort of forced them to go back in the shell and then as soon as they came back out again, they were much better. Um, but you've seen teams like Toulouse be very positive, especially in the first second uh, first half of the season. That was a great success. Gangomp as well. They really thrived off being positive in games. The teams that haven't been as positive or haven't created as much of struggles, Saint-Étienne, uh, Rennes, although they're higher up on the table, they've really... They've been really a drab to watch at times because they've not got that attacking intent because they've not tried to create as much. They've really trudged through games sometimes. And while maybe the first half of the season has probably kept them from being really embarrassed this season because when teams were less positive, possibly, um, that may be a trend that might force them further down the table next season or at least further into the mire with this conglomerate of teams on 40 points and, and very early 30s. But yeah, I think it's a trend that's clearly worked for a team like Dijon. And I, I think they probably will stay up now. I think there's too much for other teams to do, really, uh, to catch them. And long may it continue, really. I mean, that's not to say there's nothing to do with defensive football. I think that you can build a solid base off that for a lot of teams. But especially for promoted teams, I think, relying on a def- going up defensively, when you go to that next level, 
if you can't defend at that level, as we've seen in perfect example is in the Premier League with Middlesbrough, if you can defend at one level, but you go up a level, if you can't defend there and you're not going to score because you struggled to score in the other uh, the division before, you're going to get hammered and you're going to get beaten to a pulp because you can't play that way. So teams being more positive in league is a real positive for both the league and for teams wanting to stay up. If you want to stay up, the evidence by Caen, who've scored plenty of goals through Santini, although not overall, Lorient have clawed themselves out of nowhere to be there. Uh, Montpellier relying on goals to really push them further away from the relegation zone. So did Mets when they brought... Um, um, Sheikh um, oh, Diabate. Yeah, Diabate, that's it. And when they brought him in, the goals transferred them season. So, yeah, follow that blueprint from Dijon of having someone like Dionne, who's been excellent and probably will leave in the summer, I think, even if they do stay up. Um, he's a really good player and will score goals elsewhere. But follow that positive mould because it does does seem to give you results now. All right. And finally, Adam, the Gears are already grinding on to lose his transfer mill, if you will. Rumor mill. Uh, with Issa Diop reportedly the subject of a bid from RB Leipzig. Martin Braithwaite had been pursued by West Ham in January. Oscar Trejo has already said he'll leave the club as well. How do you envision this team, which you've been watching closely, evolving? And how do you see their season overall? Did they underachieve or did they overachieve? And along with that, is Pascal Duprod good enough to lead such an obviously talented uh, group of young players? And we think about as long as the players I've mentioned, uh, you've got uh, Michelin, Cafaro, uh, Ibrahim Asangare, if Cafaro stays with the team, that remains to be seen. Uh, Alain Lafont, uh, the, the young midfielders, Blan and Borige. Uh, a lot of really impressive players that are, that are on the younger side of things with Toulouse. So how do you see their season, and is Dupra the right man for the job going forward? Um, yeah, f- first of all, this, their season overall, I think, given how poorly they've performed in the last two or three seasons under, you know, Domi Arabadje and Alan Casanova, <clears throat> this is a big, big improvement for them, right? At the start of the season, they're up in the top five and they beat Monaco and PSG, you know, at, at Toulouse uh, early on in the campaign. And I think overall, if you look at the season, they could finish. I think they deserve to finish in the in the top 10, to be honest. I think they've been better than Ren this season. And I'd like to think they can't finish now. They could finish high as 11th and as low as 13th, I think. But if, compared to previous seasons, they've had a, they've had a much improved year. And since Depras took over, if you look at how well overall they've done, since he took over, they've been much, much improved. So I think although, you know, their season kind of promised quite a lot and perhaps it didn't deliver because they started so well and have tailed off and now waveform's been overall pretty poor, um, you know, maybe a little bit disappointing. But if you look at it as a whole, they've, they've been very, very good this year by comparison to how they have been. You know, the, there's life back in the club, the, the, the tendencies are up, they're bringing through young players. Um, they've they've signed law for what is a, a for a Toulouse, a six million euros is a lot of money. And, you know, they've got some exciting times ahead and they've got some really good young players coming through and a, a decent squad to build them around. So I think, yes, their season could have gone a little bit better given how it started. But, you know, if they do finish 11th, which I think they deserve to do, I think they're better than Angers, Metz and Lille by quite some distance in terms of the, how the season's gone as a whole. Um, then that would be a, a great return for the Prez's first full season in charge. And they've got the opportunity to build, build from there. So I think it's definitely a positive overall. In terms of how their squad evolves, is 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 definitely the key issue for them, obviously, going forward. Um, <clears throat> Oscar Trejo is a, a huge miss the next season, and the fact that he, he'll be leaving will be very, very disappointing for, for the fans and, and, and for Depraz himself, because 
since November time, he was a little bit injured, but since he's come back, he's been absolutely brilliant, I think. He's been playing in a variety of positions, attacking midfield, central midfield, on left left and right wing at, at times. And he's, he's arguably you know, holding that midfield together to some extent. He's been un, underrated in terms of how, how important he's been. So he'll be a huge mess, and I'll need to replace him somehow. Um, but they do have this, this nucleus of young players going through. We talked about Issa Diop. Yes, he was in um, there's some interesting Red Bull Leipzig, and there's been a lot of rumours um, um, that he would leave, along with Alvin Lafont. In fact, he's, he's been attracting interest in Marseille, um, uh, amongst others, that those two players could go. And those, that would be hugely disappointing, given those are two of those players that Du Prez brought through and brought through so brilliantly um, uh, last last season and into this year. So... You know that that might end up being this sort of model that we talked about again with with previous clubs that they'll get a decent peak of both those players and they'll be able to rebuild from there. And I think Dupreis has made some you know astute signings this, over the summer as well. The previous summer, Christoph Julian has been brilliant this season. Has played every game, barely missing a minute apart from free suspension. And you know he, if they keep him this summer, that'd be great business. Alexi Bland is unlikely to leave, but he's been great. He's been struggling with that the niggling sort of heel in, heel injury, which has kept him from being his you know his, his best that he was in the autumn. But I think when he gets fit next season, he's going to be great. Um, you know, Bodegas, I'm a big fan of his. He's sort of been in and out of the team, but he's very very good. So there's a new of young players to build the team around. The law is clearly a marquee signing that they'll keep for for some time going forward, and at least they hope to. You know, he's only sort of played sort of 15, 20 games for the club with that so far. And, you know, that, that fee says they're going to keep him. I think Braithwaite will go. He's been linked with lots of teams. You mentioned West Ham. I think West Ham would be a disaster if he went there. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, it seems to have come to the point in his career where he, he needs to move on. But they keep, I think they'll keep Jean next season, perhaps, if they, if they can. So I think there's a, there's a nucleus of good, of, of good players. And I definitely think De Prazi is good enough to, to develop those players and astute enough to get the best out of those players in, in both a tactical and sort of an emotional sense as well. He, he's a very, very good man, man manager and, and motivational uh, manager as well. It was a brilliant, uh, you know, he's clearly, he's clearly popular with the players and the fans. It was a brilliant uh, sort of sign amongst the, 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 the Toulouse uh, ultras a few weeks ago that said De Prazi for president, which I which may be a little bit far, but um, yeah, I, th- I think it shows his impact on the club. So I think Tuzo's had a very good season. We've got a, a very good nucleus of young players. Hopefully, you know, they'll keep a good number of them over the summer. And, and if Depresco makes more astute signings over the over the off-season, then yeah, I think they've got uh, another top-half finish in, in them under, under Depresco next year. So I think it has to be a positive season for Toulouse. All right. Thank you again. Uh, before we, get, we go, we do need to get the predictions. Adam, what would be your prediction? Um, 1-0 Dijon. All right. And Nathan? 3-2 uh, Dijon. 3-2. Goals for lower. I will go with a 2-1 Dijon win. All right. Thank you again, gents. Uh, it's been a great season. I've enjoyed being with you for the last 10 months. It's been a long, long football season since Monaco, Santiago, and Leo kicked off back in July. Thanks again. We'll be back as soon as those French sides are back in action in Europe. Uh, we might not be every week until the season starts, though. We'll have to see how that goes. Uh, for Nathan Staples and Adam White, I've been Eric Devin. Do be sure to join us on Monday from 8 o'clock UK for an extra special expanded edition of the show as we sift through the season and look forward to those international matches in the Coupe de France final. Uh, please do visit us online at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at, at GFFN. Thanks for a great season, and we'll speak to you in a couple months.